No black coffee. It's good, good for you? I think it's fine. I mean, I'm not worried about it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We're missing important are we, announcements. Are we on? Are we on? Um, you actually were. I I couldn't miss that. <laughs> that thing was just like awesome. <laughs> it looked like you were like getting ready to introduce your first guest on your show. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> well, my name is Molly McGinnis, and this is my lovely counterpart. I'm Ryan Larkin. And um, we are here um, to meet all of these wonderful pres-celebrities that we have been hearing stories about over the years. Um, and uh, for myself, I wanted to come and really hear the testimony and hear the witness of these people and uh, what their journeys have been like and how their journeys continue to shape and reform the church um, and to dialogue with them. Tell them how you come to this group. Where do you say you're from, and what are your? How are you affiliated with this bunch? Right. Well, it is a little bit difficult to identify uh, my context at the time. I'm. I grew up in Arkansas, um, and I now live in Utah. But I will be moving to Atlanta very soon for a call, and I'm excited about that first call. We'll be getting ordained in the fall, and. Um, I'm here because God pulled me out of the closet and into seminary at the same time. Oh. And I can't ignore that those two things were happening in my life simultaneously, and they have really shaped my ministry as uh, as a queer advocate and as an out queer pastor, and that is a that is an identity that I'm very intentional about making known and about cultivating. So I'm Ryan Larkin again, and I come as one of the pastors at First Presbyterian Church of Palo Alto. And uh, I'm affiliated with this group first through Presbyterian Welcome, and its 2011 retreat was my first. Uh, Certainly a major life shift. And then I got a little bit more into the history of, that I've learned so much more about at this retreat through the trials of Janie's Far. I wasn't with her for all of them, but I uh, made my way down to a training one month in advance of a San Antonio trial. And uh, her witness, the way the trials were run, her legal team, Janie herself, uh, the hospitality of the people supporting Janie, the journey that they had been on as they shared uh, meant so much to me early on in the journey uh, through seminary. And you know, that's what I've been thinking about here, that uh, if I'd taken a seat on one of the panels and told the story to this group, I feel like I've come here mostly as an observer, uh, mostly not a part of the history, but one who benefits from all the work that has been done. And this is specifically how I think mine. I was able to hear out of the blue at 29 years old that I was called to the ministry uh, and have no idea what to do with that. And then I did a little research and found out that uh, this church that I'd known from birth called the Presbyterian Church USA, they still had a rule on the books that said, uh, it's not for you. But I went forward because I didn't know what else to do. I really couldn't do anything else. I had to go forward. 
to finish up an undergrad degree when I had had all kinds of challenges as a student. Uh, and I did that. And then in the summer before I began seminary, the work that is represented in large part by people who we've met here, Monty, mm -hmm. um, meant that 10A, Amendment 10A passed, and that I could walk forward mm -hmm. with that. And then I thought, well, maybe one day I'm gonna be ordained, but I'll probably be in a similar situation to mm -hmm. Janie Sfar in the sense that I would be on trial. Because mm -hmm. surely if a couple came to me and we did all the counseling thing and they needed to be married, well, I was gonna marry them. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, I can deal with that, but now I don't have to. Now the work that is largely represented in this room uh, means that 14F has passed and that uh, marriage now has a new and much more holistic and better definition. Mm -hmm. And so what it means is that all the challenges that come hereafter, there's this ordination process we're involved in, you're further down the road, I've got lots of steps left, that I can approach an ordination exam a lot like our heterosexual counterparts. Mm -hmm. I can approach the call process differently, but much more like our heterosexual counterparts, so that as the trials of this journey come and all the joys of this journey come, they come to me in a much different way now, a much freer way and a much more familiar way to that experience for all because of the work that's been done. And so I'm thankful. So thankful. So Ryan and I went to seminary together, so this rapport that we have that is so wonderful <laughs> is, has come from several years of cultivation. So we didn't just meet and hit it off like this. Um, no, no, you, know? you couldn't stand me in the beginning, as I recall. No, I loved <laughs> you from the get-go. How can you not love that accent? We met by a pool we in did. Austin, Texas. We did. So we went to Austin Seminary, and um, I, I was... Uh, living in Nashville after I graduated college because that's what an Arkansas girl does when she wants <laughs> to move to the big city. <laughs> um, and I was uh, floating around Nashville. I'm not a musician. I just really like it there. And um, I was applying for jobs, this, that, and the other. Turns out nobody wants to hire anyone with a sociology bachelor's. Um, wasn't really finding my place in the world. Um, I worked for the census for a while, that was in 2010, and, um, and then I waited tables, um, working like a dog about 50, 60 hours a week, and um, I had a friend of mine that I worked with who had been a bartender since she was 19, and she was in her mid-30s. Her name was Amy. And I loved Amy, and she loved her work. She loved being a bartender. That was her calling in life. But I looked at her life, and I said, I don't want to be doing that when I'm 35. And I remembered I'd had some key people along the way throughout my life growing up in the church who always said to me, you know you're going to go to seminary, right? When are you going to go to seminary? Mm -hmm. And I always said the same thing. I said, I'm not going to seminary. Hebrew's hard. <laughs> Which it is. I survived, barely. Um, I lived a few minutes away from Vanderbilt Divinity School, and I called them up, and turns out in a few days they were having their open house weekend, and I said, well, can I come? And I went, and I loved it. 
I've called my campus minister from college, said, hey, look, you're right, I'm going to seminary. Where else should I look? And I went and I found Austin and stepped there and I fell in love. And over the, the last four years, I've really found my voice. And uh, I'd like to say that I ended up in seminary because I wasn't doing anything else, but now I realize that it's because there's nothing else I would rather be doing with my life than ministry. So talk about the energy that you have felt in the presence of, you know, of the elders and the people that you've heard about. Mm -hmm. uh, talk, talk about like the feeling of that, just the sensation of it. And then talk about the motivation factor that's going to propel you forward in your journey from here. I have felt that I am, at the times when somebody's speaking into a microphone here, I feel like I am watching a brilliantly produced and very important documentary about uh, civil rights history, gay rights history, and particular to the Presbyterian Church USA. So that's been amazing to watch live be filmed. And then there's the break times when there's no stage and no microphone, and then I get to interact with these folks from the documentary that so informed my life, their work, documentary about that movement and then I get to go and talk to them and realize that not only are they saints and larger than life figures but they're also people I can ask for advice people who I can count among my friends and and my brain doesn't even begin to know how to process all that but it is a really brilliant thing um. I echo what Ryan said about being in the presence of people who have made it easier, not easy, but easier to, to live my life as an out queer person and um, to, to be a pastor in this church that I love. Um, but I also noticed a, a huge missing generation of people that were not represented here. Um, people in their 30s, 40s, some even 50s, and, and I wonder where those voices are, um, and I, I hope that we can figure that out and that the next time we have one of these gatherings, um, those people are here and not missing. How has this gathering inspired your voice and how you will use it. Talk about move forward effects. So when you go back to your ministry in Palo Alto as you prepare for your call in Atlanta, um, the things, I mean, it's like marinade, so you'll be soaking in it indefinitely. But from your perspective, from the perspective of right now, when you're just in kind of this, it's a like 
push euphoric place. It's still <laughs> kind of mountaintop time. So usually just to, um, you know, check your emotional, motivational meters and just give a, some reflection on how you think this energy will affect your flow forward. Uh, someone mentioned today when we were in large group that um, that there have been some moments of really palpable grief, um, of, of feeling the presence of those who aren't here, um, but also all of the wounds that the people in this gathering carry with them um, that have been inflicted by the church. Um, and I hold that in a holy place because we are a resurrection people and a necessary component of resurrection is death and in order for new life to happen we have to die to our old selves into the wounds into the things that prevent us from living into God's call You know, I think I'm going to take something really practical away from this weekend. Uh, and that is that not every day, as I've found as a parish pastor, I'm sure that's going to be true as I work as a hospital chaplain and, you know, just being a person in the world. Not every day is going to be easy or brilliant, but if I can remember some of these stories, some of these people that I've met, you know, it's hard to have, it's, it's not gonna be as readily available to me to have a bad day when I think about some of these days, some of these stories, some of the things that folks were put through. Um, you know, I can draw on that, know that I'm able to do something that was denied another. And so those aren't guilt perspectives, those are just, that's energy. That's recognition, and that's what it means to walk with the saints um, who've gone before you. And so I think that's that, that goes with me from here. Molly, I heard you say um, when you took the mic, I don't even know what day it was. <laughs> <laughs> it's all coming hey, together. all phased together. Um, but you, in a, in a rather badass tone, <laughs> said, well, you know, it's not over, right? You know, it's, this is, it's not over because for every um, four, I think it was four, the number you used, that, that there are 40 or whatever that aren't mm -hmm. ordained. In the perspective of that reality and the movement from right here, talk, both of you, about your place in the movement mm -hmm. and, and, and what you see for yourselves, mm -hmm. not just for things that you're doing, but in terms of uh, uh, focusing and gathering critical mass of your demographic into the into mm -hmm. the conversation and into the movement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think we've got a challenge, Molly, different than people just a few days ago and a few years ago, and that is that uh, we don't have the same kind of fight 
to circle around. And so what could, what was just true was that uh, you had limitations on your ability to be ordained. So that might make you step or sidestep or, um, you know, or you just had to use your energy for a different kind of fight. Um, and then also around marriage, we've got, uh, we've got to confront things differently now that uh, marriage equality exists in the PCUSA means something for our civil li lives mm -hmm. as it also means for our ministries. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, in this new day, uh, we've got to find new causes. And uh, I'm ready for the challenge. I think there's many more productive uses of a pastor's energy than the old battles that were fought so well and so hard and for too long. But uh, now we've got to not be comfortable, but get to work on what we now have time for, thanks be to God. I think we're in a moment of holy breath. Um, as, a, as a queer community, as um, people who have been involved in um, LGBT rights and inclusion and welcome in the church for... 40, 50 some odd years. Um, and, and I don't feel like the fight is over and I, and I don't really feel like it's a fight either. Mm. It's not a battle that has been won. Mm. Um, this is not some civil war. This is people's lives. Mm. Um, this is people's callings, people's loves, people's families. Um, these are people. And these people are extensions of God's own being. And I think what we have the opportunity to do now is we get to breathe and, and, and take a moment to draw out of ourselves uh, to recognize the power from within that we have built and brought to light and channel that energy like you said, into other areas where people's lives are at stake, where people's love is at stake, where their very person and their extension of God's being is in danger of being left out, killed, starved. And we have the chance right now, we have a new privilege. And with that privilege of voice comes great responsibility. I sound like Spider-Man. <laughs> but sometimes comic books, that's where it's at. It's because you're superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a new privilege. So, um, last question, maybe. Um, <laughs> these video vignettes are um, going into a collection that's going to be used to tell the story of the movie. Um, and so they will be viewed by people who are looking for rhythm. So I'm wondering if, if, if that's a closing, um, a closing th thing that you could give a message 
to those in the movement, those who have already gone through it, who need to hear, those who are um, thinking about going through it, and those who just might stumble on to it in, a, in, a, in an inquisitive way. A message to the movement of to hear that queer Christian is not an oxymoron. That we are here. That we are not picketing funerals and threatening to burn down churches and drafting homophobic, discriminatory, ageist, racist legislation. We're fighting against those things. We're fighting in love, standing together. And we invite you in. We are pastors. We are greater in number now because of the work done to make the church more inclusive. And we are called to join with you in your struggle to walk beside you, provide you care, provide you love, when it's hard to find other places, give us another chance, call on us, come around, if, it, if you think there's something in and around a pastor, a church, a Christian, a good person, reach out.